Hey listeners, it's Malika and Reese here with your Bigger Pockets podcast, where we answer your rental questions with our rental experts. Today we have Zach, a property investor from Charlotte, North Carolina, and he's looking into purchasing a tenant-occupied property as his primary residence, and his realtor is concerned he won't be able to close on a long-term tenant-occupied um, property with his financing. Um, he's using a 100% financing mortgage, and um, he doesn't have 10, 20% to put down on this property. He's wondering um, what's the best way to proceed with his contract and um, just pursue a tenant, um, even though with everything that he has going on. Kind of a complicated question. So here's what I say, and to make sure I understand him right. Um, he's wanting to purchase a 100% finance property um, that's already tenant occupied. Yes, there are some loan programs out there. They're called no income, no doc loans, and they're just basically gonna say, um, maybe a five to seven year term with a balloon on those payments, but for five to seven years, they'll do a zero down loan so that you can buy a tenant occupied property based on what they call a debt service coverage ratio. So DSCR, um, debt service coverage, yeah, that's it. So as long as it meets the criteria of that lender, yes, there are loan programs that do it out there. Another alternative that he may want to look at versus a 10% down payment is maybe look at an investment property that he could live in and rent out for like a year, and that opens up the FHA loan market. For example, in a duplex, he could purchase um, for the 3.5% down payment, which is much less than that 10%, move into one side of it for a year and live there, rent out the other side, and then in a year he can refinance that or um, move along to a different property. Mm -hmm. So he's saying that his tenant is already there. What advice would you give to him to get his tenant out of the property and move down to somewhere else before he's ready to take over? So that's going to be something that the listing agent that's selling the property, you probably want to negotiate into the deal. We've done that before where we say, you know what, we don't want to inherit these residents, give them the option to leave. Now if there's a current lease, there's a lot of back-end situations that could happen, but Nine times out of 10, there's a solution that everybody can agree on. Most recently, we needed to get a resident out to do some repairs. We simply gave them their security deposit back plus $500 to help them move to the next place. And they were more than happy to get out and it actually worked out for all parties involved. So there's creative ways to actually um, break lease and get out of those terms before he closes on it. But he'll definitely want to work with the lending or the uh, listing agent so they can see which works best for all parties. All parties. Mm -hmm. Awesome, let's move on. So Lendl from Tulsa, Oklahoma, is she has a single family property and he has a tenant, a single mother with a toddler. And she was contacted by the gas company saying she was using excessive gas. They sent out a technician who did a pressure test and they discovered that there's a leak in the house and they turned off her gas. So they reached out to her tenant and told her to contact um, her. So back they contacted Lendl and um, basically there's a ridiculously high fee. Um, they're trying to figure it out. They got the gas leak backed on, but she's wondering, like, um, what point does she morally or legally obligated um, to get the tenant a place to stay or make repairs or um, offer anything back as far as rent while the tenant didn't have any electricity or gas? So um, in most leases, the, the lease should specify what maintenance items are the owner's responsibility and what are tenant responsibility. In this situation, I can tell you all of our properties, um, that's gonna be owner responsibility because it's essentially the basic function, functions of the house, the, the water, sewer, and gas, uh, electric, things like that. As long as the tenant hasn't caused any damage to it, this is more of an owner responsibility uh, issue. 
Now, um, depending on the cost of the repairs, you know, work with someone to maybe get a couple of bids on to get that repaired, but ultimately it is gonna fall in the owner's lap, not the resident's lap, because it is one of the basic functions of the home, especially if it's um, gas-powered water heater, gas-powered stove, um, make sure that all that's taken care of. And depending on where the house is, if it's gas-powered heat as well, you have to provide heat um, when it goes below a certain temperature. So unfortunately, bad news is, it's gonna be owner responsibility most likely in this case. Mm -hmm. So going further and just exploring this question further. So say if everything's out, like the gas is out, the heat's out, hot water's out, and then um, the tenant's still there, would you re recommend providing an additional place for the tenant to stay? So we've done that. Um, what we typically do instead of writing them a check is we give them like some credit on their rent. So that way there's technically no money exchanging hands. We'll just put a credit on their account for say, hey, if you're not gonna be living there for X amount of days, we'll give you a $250 per day credit to the rent. Um, you know, we just have took the, the stance of not actually writing checks to our residents, but the same token, if they've gotta go find somewhere else to live for a short period of time, we wanna make sure that we're credited back. And I think that goes back to the, you want a quality resident, but you also gotta have a quality owner, you know, and do the right thing sometimes. And if you know that this situation is gonna displace your resident, do the right thing, take care of your resident. They're gonna be more likely to come back and wanna stay there versus having a bad experience and moving out and then you've gotta start this whole process over and getting another resident. So take care of the resident, do the right thing, but definitely um, give some options so that they have some financial means if they have to move out for a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And are you, they usually satisfied with that? Good success yeah. rate, good reviews? Yeah, so we um, what we do is we look at hotel rates in the, in the area of where they're staying and uh, give them a little bit over that. So let's just say that it's a $100 a night, so we'll typically give them like $125 or $150 a day credit. So that way if they have to go do that, it'll offset their monthly expenses because if they're paying for a hotel $100 a night, we give them $100 credit, they're still gonna balance out. Unfortunately, it's it's a, not a fun situation for someone to move out, and that's why we add on that little bit of extra too. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, let's move on to our final question. So Jeff Angel from Providence, Rhode Island, is considering dividing his first floor apartment of his multifamily unit into, well, he has, currently has one permit, and he wants to divide it into two units and use the same meter. He's wondering if there's a rule of thumb or formula on to charge um, when considering this route, he wants he doesn't want to take any losses, and he knows that this may be something he has to run by um, his like his um, electric company. But he wants to know as far as um, would he be potential to like losing tenants, um, or would they be like abusing the heat privileges, light privileges? What do you think about that? So you definitely should always look into splitting meters first because we talk about controllable expenses and uncontrollable expenses with an investment property. If you're providing electric, that's an uncontrollable expense. You don't know how much the resident's gonna use. You can't dictate how they use it either. So if they want to run the, the AC at 60 degrees all year or the heat at 85 degrees all year, you can't make that decision for them. So in an uncontrollable stance, you don't have any idea what your electric bill is gonna be every month. It's well worth the investment to split those meters while he's doing this remodel so that he doesn't have to cover that and it makes it easier for him in the long run. And also, it's gonna add value to the property if he does wanna sell this property one day versus selling it with one meter, having it as two meters in a true multifamily complex. It's gonna make a world of a difference when it comes to pricing and, and ease to sell something like that. So I'm not sure if this is the case, but what if Jeff already has a tenant in unit in his unit and he's looking to divide the um, the meters after his tenant is there? What yep. advice would you give? Them? So you're definitely going to want to get a new lease. So um, if the lease expires during this remodel, put him on a month to month, and then in the new lease you're going to say you're going to be responsible for the electric. 
Now, in the meantime, if there's a current lease, you're still going to be responsible for paying those utilities until that lease ends, just, just by the lease and tenant landlord law. But long term, you definitely want to make sure that your paperwork as well as the, the, the meters are separated altogether. Well, thank you, Reese. That is all the time we have today. So for all your future questions, comments, and opinions, text us at 813-534-4662. One more time, that's 813-534-4662. We'll see you next time.